Welcome back to the Wisconsin Runner Podcast. Today we are bringing you a Wisconsin Runner Spotlight on Matt Barrett. Matt was a 2004 graduate of Monroe High School and then competed collegiately at the University of Minnesota. Today we hear Matt's story on how running has changed his life, not only athletically but medically, as he uses running as a treatment for his diagnosis of cystic fibrosis. Enjoy the episode and remember to trust the process and everything's funner with Wisconsin Runner. So thanks for being here, Matt. We're really excited to have you on the podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me. So how are you uh, dealing with the whole stay-at-home orders? We just were talking off here that they got extended to the end of May. Um, how's that been impacting you? Um, oddly enough, I enjoy the working from home piece. Um, thankfully, I'm able to still work. So right. you know, that's a great blessing in and of itself, like just still being able to provide and keep the lights on at home amidst all this. Um, it has been a little bit different in some ways. Uh, kind of back the training volume down a little bit. Uh, I was talking to my, my coach about it, and he also works as a nurse. And so when all this kind of hit, we're like, oh, yeah, let's take the volume really high. It's you know, a great time to get some training while you're working from home. And then he called me a couple of days later, and he's like, yeah, the more I read about this, the COVID stuff with me having a lung condition, he's like, it's best just to go back into more of a maintenance mode. So. Uh, still been getting out the door every day to get some fresh air. Um, looking at, you know, 45 to 60 minutes a day, just roughly just getting out and having some fun. But uh, no, otherwise nothing's really changed except for I only wear sweatpants. So. <laughs> I know, it's, it's a good look at home, right? You're just hanging out in your sweatpants t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. And that's interesting too to talk about. I know uh, I saw some stuff on Twitter as well about how, I mean, stress can compromise your immune system. So there's all these people out there jacking up their volume doing all this crazy uh workouts and they actually potentially can be putting themselves at risk especially if they have some uh, other comorbidities but uh yeah thomas and i kind of know your story just being teammates with wisconsin runner but let's mm -hmm. start there for the listeners so take us back to kind of the beginning for uh, matt barrett and how you got to where you are now <laughs> so the beginning of running first off i'll start like it was freshman year going into freshman year of, of high school and i ran cross country and stuff in middle school but Really wasn't a huge fan of it, to be honest. I did it to get in shape for basketball and then started to realize that, you know, any sort of basketball career that I was going to have was fizzling because I, you know, just was short and not super strong and athletic. So um, I went out for cross country my freshman year and I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to do it just to get in shape for basketball and started to really enjoy running. Uh, my coach, Dave Hirschberger, was really instrumental and, you know, super motivating guy and always positive and just kind of got the ball rolling there. Um, you know, somewhere between freshman and sophomore year and, you know, Spencer, we were just kind of talking off air about, you know, freshmen in high school not running as much maybe as they could be. Uh, but that was really a big summer for me. I started running with some of the older guys in the team and really just fell in love with the sport at that point. And it just, from there, has taken off. Um, ended up running at the University of Minnesota for five years. Um, again, met some great people there. And then after college, just wasn't ever ready to give it up. So I just kept running on my own. And guys, hey, hey, sorry. The first of maybe many dog fights that we have while we're on the, on the call. This is a dog, a dog friendly podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we have three of them. So there might be more scuffles. 
Um, but more to my story outside of, of the running piece is I have cystic fibrosis, which is a genetic lung condition. Um, I was diagnosed when I was nine months old and it wasn't until I was, you know, maybe 21 or so in college and realized what running was actually doing for my life. Um, basically if if you have cystic fibrosis, you have mucus and secretions that build up in your body and you have to manually remove them. Um, Sometimes it's with chest compressions. Some, there's a vest that some patients will wear to kind of simulate a chest compression. I'm blessed in it's all, you know, all the glory to God on this one, being able to go run. Um, my therapy is going out for a run. So a typical run for me when I start, you know, I'm coughing up a lot of mucus probably within the first like 20 or so minutes. And then once my lungs are a little more clear, the run seems to go a little bit better um, as far as that goes. And, you know, I, I was also fortunate when I was in college, the CF Center in Minneapolis, and part of why I chose to go to school there was the CF Center that's there. Um, they, I was linked up with the doctor, Robert Kempton, who was also a, a marathoner in his own right. I think he placed pretty high at the trials a couple of times. Yeah. Um, him and I were talking one day and he had mentioned to me that, you know, when I'm running, I'm not only like, when I go into an appointment, we would talk more about the cross country or track season than we would anything CF related, which I guess is a good thing. And that I was healthy, but he would, he really did a good job of educating me as to how much running was, was keeping me healthy and kind of keeping my life going. And then after college, it, it really hit me like, wow, like this is really doing something for me as far as that goes. So I don't think I'll ever stop to be honest. Was that always the case growing up or were there, people telling you like, oh, with CF, like you probably shouldn't be running or you should modify it this way. Your uh, performance is going to suffer those sort of things. Actually, yes. So when I was younger, there was this whole stigma against people with CF being active for that fear of doing too much. But then as the research has evolved over the last 20, 25 years, it's the exact opposite. So people that are active um, will live a healthier life. And, you know, credit to my mom, like both my parents, but really my mom, like I was never a child that sat still and I know, I, I know it drove her nuts. And so she was trying to, and I, I was not happy when I was confined. So she was, you know, she just kind of let me do what I wanted to do and got me involved in sports at our local YMCA, let me try whatever I wanted to. And my grandmother was really against it. Um, mainly she didn't want to see me get hurt. So, <laughs> but you know, mom kind of let me, I'm sorry, I'm kind of tearing up as I talk about it. Um, Mom, let me just do what I wanted. And, you know, once the doctors started to see, hey, he's active, but he's healthy, this is okay, they got on board with it pretty quick. Uh, when I started to run more, like between my freshman and sophomore year of high school, they definitely had some concerns. Uh, like, well, maybe you should only run, you know, four or five miles a day instead of going seven or eight or more. And I'm like, no, because I'm a stubborn teenager. You know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't realize I could be doing harm to myself. So, um, again, it just kind of organically evolved where I just kept running more. And as I kept running more, every time I would go in for an appointment every three months, I had to do a pulmonary function test to test lung function. And the, there was a direct correlation with the more I was running, the better the lung function was. Part of that was probably because I was also maturing, but you know, there was definitely a pattern. And so, you know, the doctors just kind of got on board with, Hey, this is his therapy versus doing any sort of machine or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it was, 
it, it kind of evolved over time for sure. Uh, it's got to be a huge blessing to have, especially something that you love doing now as a therapy as well. It is. And, you know, there's a lot of days where, I mean, we, we, we live in Wisconsin. We know the weather's bad or we don't want to go outside. It's like, hey, I get to. And getting to go outside, even if it's for, you know, 30-ish minutes is going to add time to my life. So you can just, I kind of just try to roll with it. It's awesome. It's awesome. When did you know that you had this kind of natural affinity towards running from a performance standpoint as well? Because you've had a, a super successful career, high school, collegiately and post-collegiately. Uh, I think it was my freshman year of high school, actually, when it all kind of started. Um, you know, and you, you guys know, too, you start as a freshman, you don't really know anything. You're just kind of running and it's like, oh, a three mile race, is such a long time. Um, but I was you know, we'd get done with the meet. I would always be like our fifth or sixth fastest guy, but my coach kept me on JV and I was really angry about it at the time. Like, I don't know if I've ever actually told him that. So if Hirsch, if you ever listen to this podcast, like you're going to find this out with everybody else. Um, I would go home just screaming bad that like, why am I not in varsity? Why am I not in varsity? But he later then told me that his reasoning was to have me at the front of a pack to learn how to win. And I think, that was a skill that I kind of learned at that point. Like, Hey, if I, you know, continue to push myself, like this is what it could be. And then the summer between my freshman and sophomore year running with a lot of the older guys, I, I really started just to notice a development. Again, I think I was, I hit puberty a little bit late too. So I think that was the time when I started to grow a little bit. And then, um, in my junior and senior year of high school in that summer, I grew six inches and put out about 30 pounds. Uh, there's a picture from the <laughs> state track meet junior year, um, the start of the two mile, I think it's like me and Chris Rombo. And I think Andy Shortsleff is in that picture as well. And I'm just tiny, but then there's one from the state cross me senior year and like Chris and I are the same size. So it's, uh, you know, I think it was just kind of the natural evolution and I just continued to fall in love with the sport more and more. Um, and I think the one thing more than anything that's brought me back to running is meeting great people along the way. Like you two are at the top of the list. Um, Brandon Miles, one of my high school teammates, you know, everybody that I know that I'm really close with have come through running, uh, fiddle, Dewey, you know, there's just so many great guys. Uh, Ethan Main, who now lives in Dallas, uh, shout out yeah. to him. Shout out. Um, you know, got to coach him when he was in high school and that connection has stayed. So I think it's just the people around the sport as well. That just makes such a positive impact on so many of us. And it seems like your, your, growth and running kind of overlap with that, that community factor of Monroe becoming this just unbelievable hotspot of for a decade plus of like one of the best teams, any division, any spot, any distance in the state of Wisconsin. Like what was that like to kind of be ground floor for that? What was, what was the day-to-day -day growth of that like for you guys? Oh man, it's humbling. Um, it, for a while it was like there was one guy every other year that kind of kept it going. So my sophomore year, we had a senior in the team. His name was Ryan Leitzinger. I, I think he made it to state and cross, but he was like the first guy in Monroe to start running more than, you know, like 20, 30 miles a week. And then once I started to realize, hey, the more I run, the more successful I am, like putting those, putting the light bulb just goes off. Um, it just sets the bar a little bit higher. And then the bar just continues to stay up and everybody else is trying to achieve it. So you know, it was my junior year, and we had a really good freshman class that year. It was like 
Brandon Miles was in that class, Patrick Klein, Aaron Kehoe. There were a bunch of people that just were horses. And, you know, you, you just kind of say, hey, this is how we do things. And then that just progressed into the later years, like when Ethan and Jake Hirschberger came through. And I think they had three milers that year that all ran under 415. Uh, and I think the culture that was just created was just one of the guys in the team were always really close. And, you know, we'd hang out outside of, outside of practice and get into teenage shenanigans, nothing like super crazy, but just, you know, hanging out, being teenage yeah. boys. Yeah. What was the dynamic of that? What was coming from the coaching staff with them sort of directing that inner team chemistry versus you guys just kind of choosing to connect? Uh, Hirsch was a really personable guy and he just, just, you know, really, really positive. And you could have a terrible race and he'd come down on you, but then shortly after he's going to build you back up and you're going to learn from it. Like if something went wrong, he was always like, Hey, this is what we need to fix. Um, so he always had that culture of like, we're in this together. And I think that kind of bled over into us guys. Like we all got along. So we were hanging out outside of, outside of practice and whatnot. And you just, you build chemistry when you're together more. Absolutely. Yeah, no, Thomas and I were just talking about uh, Monroe and just the, the record board. And just, wow, like for a school that size to look at your guys' record board is unbelievable. It's fast, man. It's, it's, it's fast. wild. <laughs> yeah, it's fast. And the, the depth of time, years too. It's not just one guy yeah. cranking out all the records. It is like super depth over the past, what, 50 years? Yeah, I mean, you go back to Mark Winston reading the 60s and Mike Dignan in the 80s, and then I think I have the, the 5K record, and I don't think I have anything else because, I mean, I know Ethan's got the mile in the eight. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> it is pretty, it's pretty humbling when you go look at that board. And, you know, I've talked to, to Mark and Mike over the years too, and they're just, again, great people. They come from good families, and, um, you know, just to be mentioned with them is, is something in and of itself. Awesome. How was the uh, Spencer? Transition? Spencer, what year? I can't remember what year did you graduate from Fort? Two thousand nine. So, okay, so Brett did you were in the same class. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the I first time I had ever kind of heard about Matt Barrett was from Ryan Gansker. Yep. Because you guys yeah. raced a lot in high school, so it was. We did race a lot, and he always got the best of me. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that was the first interaction I ever had with the Monroe crew and Matt Barrett. And then I, I came in as a freshman and Brett Denewer was a freshman. Um, yep. I remember we were at Verona and there's that little downhill before you take that left to the finish. Um, yep. And I had no, like you said, you're freshman, you have no idea what's going on. I'm looking around, like trying to figure out what to do. And hers is on the side screaming. I thought he was screaming at me, but he was screaming at Brett Denewer. The top freshman, right there, the top freshman. And, and the next thing I know, Brett's just flying by me. <laughs> I remember talking to Hirsch after that race. He's like, yeah, Brent had no clue what he was doing. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> We're just out there for a jog. Yeah. How was the uh, transition for you from high school with that kind of development of the culture to college? You know, I, I was really blessed when I got to Minnesota, too, to walk into another good group of people. Um, you know, Chris Rombo and I were both in the freshman class, both from Wisconsin, and we had kind of talked before we both got there, you know, about, hey, we're going to room together and whatnot. It's, it's definitely a transition when you move from high school to college in general. And I think there were some seniors on the team and some, even some juniors that were really good leaders. Um, 
and just high character people. And we were all looking out for each other. So that helped. And my college coach, Steve Placentia is one of my, one of my best friends to this day. And, you know, he, he took a chance on me as he did with everybody else. And, you know, you give a hundred percent, he's going to give 110 back. And I think that was kind of, again, kind of the mindset we had is all work together. And the culture at, at Minnesota, it seemed to change over time. Maybe it was just because I was maturing. Uh, you know, you come in again as a college freshman, you don't really know what to expect. Um, but then by the time you're in your fourth, fifth year, you're one of the leaders on the team. And we had some good young guys come in behind me that I got to run with too. And Hassan Mead and Ben Blankenship, most notably. Um, but again, just kind of that we all hung out after after practice. We all kind of lived together. I mean, we got the college cross houses. Those are always fun. So, uh, you know, the first year there's a lot of a lot of a lot of speed bumps and a lot of learning to navigate new training, new environment. Really, because you're on your own and colleges, it's tough the first year. I feel for a lot of people. Yeah. Did you redshirt the first year, or did you redshirt? I did. Your, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You just came in knowing you were going to redshirt kind of that transition year to adjust to everything. Yeah, I redshirted my first year. And then, unfortunately, my second, third, and fourth year had some little injury hiccups along the way during cross. But, um, no, second, third, year, fourth year was during cross or during track. But, you know, those are going to come up. So, <laughs> can't ever plan for those. Yeah. Right. What was the, the training progression like going from the Monroe culture to what you guys are doing up at the U? It was actually a pretty steady increase for me. So, you know, by the end of my high school career, I think I was running like 45, 50 miles a week. And then knowing I was going to redshirt, class kind of took it a little bit slower. I think we were like 70, 75 a week for a while and just kind of naturally building into it. Um, the next summer, I think I was probably running 80-ish a week for a while and then ended up getting injured. So we tried it again. The, the next summer I was in the 80s again, kind of got injured. So we we took a step back, kind of looked at what I was doing and um, ended up doing a lot more in the pool for me the last few years. Um, you know, I'd still run like 80 miles a week or so, but then was supplementing some time in the pool instead of taking the volume super high. But, um, you know, the one thing I really enjoyed about Flavs too is he, he was all about the four or five-year growth. It wasn't like you're going to come in and run hundreds of miles right away to be ready the next day. And he really pride, you know, took pride in that, that approach of the long-term development. And I know that there were definitely times like, oh, it's probably my, yeah, it was my third year when Hassan and Ben were, were both on the team. And <laughs> we, would, we went to, we'd always go to Northern Minnesota for training camp every summer. And there was this one loop we were doing and um, he pulled Hassan out early. And I know Hassan wasn't very happy about it, but I think, it's paid off now, so. <laughs> yeah, he's doing okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Has that transition, that kind of uh, training program philosophy to post-collegiately too? Are you doing a lot of cross-training stuff just to supplement the mileage? Actually, not as much anymore. Um, I think my body, I feel like I developed late as well. Okay. Like, I feel like now I've been able to handle, you know, 85 miles a week plus really really well um most of this past summer i was in the 90s almost you know 90 to 100 a week and felt really good um and knock on wood no major injury issues um i definitely take longer to recover 
as I'm getting older and don't do as many workouts a week. So I think those are probably reasons why I can handle it a little bit more. But um, Jason Digman's my coach now, and I actually met him through my wife. And you know, him having the nursing background is, you know, I really enjoy it because if I have something CF related kind of come up, I can text him and say, hey, this is, these are the symptoms I'm feeling. What should I do? And he's pretty quick to kind of give me the training piece to it, but also the, the medical piece as well. Yeah. That's really good. With uh, going back to CF, how has that kind of modified an everyday run? So like you said, you're, you're coughing up the mucus initially. Um, do you take longer warm-ups before workouts or before races just to make sure that that's all the way through the system? Or has that bothered you at all during those higher intensity intervals? Yeah, I typically will do you know 25 minutes before a workout. Um, try to do that before race two. The marathon, it's, it gets to be a little bit tricky because you don't want to be on your feet that much before. Yeah. Um, I've kind of noticed that, you know, in the course of an everyday run, 10 to 12 minutes in, I start to feel better. So for the longer races, I might maybe warm up for like for a marathon, 10, 12, 15 minutes, but then spend more time doing some drills and stuff to keep the body moving. Mm-hmm. And normally through the, you know, through a marathon, the first mile or so, um, I tend to feel pretty good again. Uh, workouts, yeah, it's give myself a little extra time to make sure I'm feeling good for sure. Which, you know, what having to be to work by eight o'clock it can be a little bit problematic some mornings, but it just means less sleep. Okay. And what time are you waking up for those morning workouts? Most days by five, and then I'm out the door by, you know, 5.45 or so. Thankfully, I live right by the track in Verona, so um, there's no real commute that's involved. I just, you know, hop out the door. are there different types of workouts or intensities that seem to like resonate better lung wise or there are types of training that you avoid um either based on sort of how it's going to react or what the recovery is going to be like for it i've never really noticed that um i think when when my volume's higher i feel better and i think it's just because i'm on my feet more and i'm you know clearing my lungs more so yeah um by nature, I don't like the short, fast stuff anyway. So I, I, let's just say <laughs> that the short, fast stuff is my least favorite. <laughs> right on. I like it. <laughs> Do you have any uh, stories of times where maybe in high school you didn't warm up enough and it was bothering you? Maybe high school or middle school and it bothered you during a race or workout? Um, I don't know if I really noticed it a lot when I was that young. I guess there were times during track season, especially when the weather was more variable, when is where I seem to be most affected is if the weather is shifting from like 40 degrees to 60 degrees, then back down, like just that not consistent weather, which tends to happen a lot more in the spring around here. So there would be, there were definitely days where, or races where I go in just not feeling a hundred percent. You know, there was one even like post-collegiately I did the Brewers half marathon in like 2016 or something like that, Milwaukee. And it was, a really oddly humid morning morning and I went for my warm-up and got done I'm like man I just feel off and I think it took until about mile four or five in the race to actually feel better okay. so it, it, it really kind of can just pop up um you know if somebody's got a bug at work and I catch some of it that's gonna affect me so uh yeah it was just a lot of different factors but I think especially post-collegiately I feel like things have been pretty consistent, especially the last you know, six or so years where I'd start to know my body a little bit better. Um, and 
you know, when you're in post-collegiate, there's not the pressure of a workout having to be on a certain day or a race having to be on a certain day. So if, if I feel like, you know, I have some symptoms or I have to move a workout, that's fine. Or, you know, if a race is slotted and we choose a different one, like that can be done. Do you feel like that's helped yeah. you kind of roll with the punches come race day too? Like in a race, if somebody makes a move and you're not expecting it, or it's not what you had prepared for, um, has this kind of ability to adapt helped you that way? I think so. Yeah, I try to stay in my own lane in a race, <laughs> you know, like no pun intended <laughs> you know, to, to being on the track. But I think it's just one of those things that I really try really hard to just focus on my own, my own race and know that, you know, no, ra no race is going to be perfect. You know, there's going to be days where you expect a bigger PR, expect a better performance than you get. And, you know, that's just going to happen. But the law of averages, if you show up every single day and put the work in, you're going to get the better result more times than not. How have you enjoyed the coaching aspect? You talked about coaching Ethan Maine, um, and we talked a little bit off the air too about some coaching clients or athletes. Um, how has that been for you? It's the transition from athlete to coach. You know, I wish I could do more of it, to be honest. Um, so after college, I moved back to Monroe and started working full time. And so I was talking to my high school coach about, you know, helping out. And it was at the time when Ethan and my coach or my, my coach's son, Jake, were coming through and it was just a great group of kids to, to really work with. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, especially fresh out of college, it kept me in the sport and gave me people to run with because in Monroe, if you aren't, there weren't a lot of adults that were out running. So to have the kids to be around and I mean, they're always very enthusiastic. Um, it was a great time. And then met my wife and moved up to more of the Madison area and haven't done any high school coaching up here but have worked with a couple kids on the side uh work with riley siltman from evansville a little bit you know this this winter and just his dad lives close to us so just really i really enjoy their passion and really enjoy seeing them grow and the excitement that you know we all felt when we were younger growing as, as runners and just to see that continue on in the next generation is awesome yeah, I hope you have more of that in your future. I think you're uh, set up to be in a really good position to kind of teach them kind of going through hardships and how you can come out the other side and be super successful like you have. So hopefully uh, there's more coaching in your future. I appreciate it. I hope so. I really do. So you had mentioned earlier that you're, uh, you're doing 85, 90 miles a week, getting ready for the marathon and how that can kind of change things from the CF perspective. Um, did you know all along that you were going to make that jump to the marathon? Was that always the light <laughs> no. <and> subtle? <laughs> you know, it was weird. Like, I graduated from, from the U of M, and at the time, the trial standard in the half was 65 minutes. And so I'm like, oh, I think I could maybe do this. And you just never know. Like, I always envisioned a marathon being a really long way, and it, it definitely is. Uh, <laughs> but I enjoy it. And so in, like, it was the fall of 2010, I went to Des Moines to run a half. And I ran 65.18. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll take that as a debut. And, you know, it was today it's the fastest half marathon I've run. But, <laughs> um, you know, it, it just kind of added fuel to the fire. Like, I really want to do the marathon. Like, I, I always enjoy the half distance. And I think the marathon pre presents its own challenges that I think I'm still trying to figure out. Um, I think I've done six marathons now. And every single one you learn something from. So, yeah, I think it's just kind of naturally evolved. 
what are the big differences you you've experienced and you've seen between half and full? Um, the nutrition piece I think is the biggest. And I think that's where I still have the most room to grow. Um, having CF, I lose more salt when I sweat than the normal person too. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like, I, I think that there's still things I can improve on to make sure that like my calorie intake and fluid intake during a marathon is, is more spot on. And I think that, you know, you, you do your best to simulate it in training. Um, for me, you know, I've been able to handle the volume pretty well. So I think it's trying to manage everything. And it, it seems like when I've, my coach and I have kind of talked about optimal weather for a marathon too. And obviously for all of us, it's in the forties and there just seems to be, you know, probably higher risk for me to lose fluids and so electrolyte levels faster if it's warmer. So trying to time all that out and trying to time out things we can't control is always fun. So that helps uh, dictate kind of which races you're doing then. Are you looking for weather? Um, time of year more so than oh this is the big race that everybody's trying to go to um yes and no i mean a lot of the big marathons are in the fall i'm more of a fall marathon guy anyway so they kind of tend to line up uh it's part of why we went out to sim this year was knowing the weather's always pretty good um or this past year in 2019 yeah we're in 2020 now so and uh not knowing you know what's going to happen here in 2020 since everything's kind of on hold but the tentative plan was to do Twin Cities. Um, it's always been on my bucket list, and it's actually on my birthday this year. So, kinda, oh man, that's why not have a birthday present? Just go grind and hurt for a while, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Back in your stomping grounds. Yeah, that's 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 like storybook right there. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if it actually happens. I mean, who knows right now? But you know, either way, I think I really enjoy the marathon. I enjoy the challenge of it. Yeah, keep our fingers crossed that all those fall marathons and races can uh, can go off because it seems like things are getting pushed back further and further now. For sure. Tell us the story of your first marathon. Uh, Chicago 2014, I think. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was 2014. And it's my, fa again, kind of like my half marathon debut. It's my half fastest marathon to date. Um, the weather was perfect. It was 40 degrees at the start. There was no wind. Um, didn't really know what to expect and just kind of got rolling and got in a groove and felt pretty good the whole way. Um, it was probably about mile 18 where I'm like, okay, there's still a long, long way to go. But uh, I remember particularly at one point, either during mile 18 or 19, it's kind of in an area where there are like no people. And I'm like, wow, I still have seven miles to go. And I was like, okay, just get to the next mile, get to the next mile. And then got to about mile 21 and was starting to, you know, it was ebbing and flowing, but I was feeling good. And I saw somebody on the side of the road that had a sign that said, Derek Rose would be hurt right now. Keep going. And I was, I'm a huge Derek Rose fan. So I'm like, okay, I'm like, let's just keep going. And um, got to mile 23 and I was hurting. And like, there was an aid station there. I'm like, I, do I want to stop? I'm like, no, I don't want to stop. I'm like, if I stop, I'm going to, it's going to take me longer to get back to the finish than if I just run. So just kind of, <laughs> kind of finish it out. And I don't know, it was probably, I mean, every, every marathon is a journey in and of itself, but I think that first one's always really special. And just 
I remember also see, like at mile two, like I'm feeling really, really fresh. Like, wow, this feels really easy. But then that same pace at mile 22, it's like, wow, this is really hard. <laughs> Were you hooked immediately or was it you needed some time to get over the pain and the agony that you had to go through? No, I think on the walk back to the hotel, I was like, okay, when can I do my next one? <laughs> yeah, get, yeah. The, get the registration in for the next one already. <laughs> yeah. So have you knowing hit, that like oh go ahead. I was gonna say, have you hit the so-called wall um that people talk about, or has it just kind of been that long, drawn out supper fest? Um depends on the marathon. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh definitely I did Cellcom one year and it was crazy hot. And I definitely hit the wall there. Um I remember passing somebody at mile twenty-four and I was running like seven tens. I was in, I think I was in third or fourth place and I passed somebody and I'm like, I'm running over seven minute miles, but I think the weather kind of got everybody that day. Um, the guy that was on the bike next to me, he's like, Oh, how are you doing? And you know, trying to keep me going. I'm like, I'm seeing triple of everything. So I'm just aiming in the middle and hoping I don't hit something. <laughs> um, but then at Sim this past year, um, you know, got to my like 17, 18, 19 ish. And you know, just felt a little twinge in my hamstring. And I don't think I ever really hit the the wall, but definitely struggled to come in, um, which was really kind of a bizarre feeling for myself because, you know, went out there to try to hit the standard. And at some point as I'm coming in, knew it wasn't going to happen, but it was also just like really oddly time to just reflect on how thankful I was, like just for the whole process of building up in the marathon. And, and my coach had flown out. My, my wife was there. My brother and sister came out. Fiddle and his wife were out there. So it's just, you know, kind of that time to reflect like, hey, when you get to the finish, you're going to get to see all these people that love and care about you and that you love and care about and just kind of spend some time together too. So, you know, it puts things in perspective and, you know, everything is God's plan. And, you know, there's always something you can learn from every race you do. Did you have any uh, kind of reflection time afterwards? Since, I mean, we know I mean, it was a build, big building block for you to try to hit that standard and, putting all your eggs in one basket um, and then to have gone through what you went through was there time afterwards that you needed to reflect before getting back on uh, the horse or did you do that within the race um, I definitely took some time after too um, I contemplated going down to Houston to try to hit the standard one more time but you know it was it was one of those where like I kind of knew that I'd given it my best shot at sim and you know when I really sat back and thought about it with the January weather being worse than December in Wisconsin and the variability and knowing like, my, you know, my risk of, of getting sick. I didn't know that another big build and potential harm, you know, harmful weather could be, would be really beneficial at all. And um, I was really at peace with, with how things ended in the 2019 build. So yeah, it took some time though. It definitely took a few days when I got home to just kind of let it all sink in. But um but, you know, in any, in any race build, that day-to-day -day journey to me is super important because, you know, we're all human and we all have lives and, you know, it'd be really easy if, if all life was, was eat, sleep and run, but there's definitely other factors. So I think being able to balance all those factors, get yourself ready for a race, um, you know, when it comes to sim, like I felt like I was, I was close to being ready for 219 and you know, I, I just take pride in that because there is the day in day out balance of making sure that, you know, you're getting enough sleep, but also 
being able to work full time and just still get in the volume to put, you know, to get the work in and all that. So um, at the end of the day, you know, every race build is special and just putting the work in to me is where I get, you know, a lot of value from it. I feel like it's just such a great blessing. And it kind of goes back to the knowing I'm keeping myself healthier as I do it. Um, so I try not to get two up or two down with the race result. Yeah. What are the, the biggest things you've kind of learned in that, that balancing act and that art side of, of training in, in a decade of, of post-collegiate running? Uh, that it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think there's always, for me, I'm starting to realize I like to run in the morning before work, oh. just get up, kind of get it done and, you know, start the day off with something really, really positive. Not that, not, not that work isn't positive, but there's obviously going to be stressors throughout the day that, you know, are, are tougher to deal with. So to, to kind of start the day with that is always a, a good thing. Um, I also think just for me, health-wise, to start the day off with a run, um, I get up and I, for me to do a morning run, I'll try to get up like 40 or so minutes before because I do a nebulizer treatment to kind of help the mucus move in my lungs a little bit before I go out the door to run. So, you know, I would, I'll get up and do a nebulizer anyway, even if I don't run in the morning. So just to do that and then go run it just it also was it helps the treatment piece as a whole um you know coming right out of college you know we'd have afternoon practice so i just started to run after work and then it kind of dawned on me hey i'm making some really late nights for myself uh so just kind of transition to the morning and then um with my wife and i with our schedules it just tends to work better for me to run in the morning so as you guys both know, you know, working with people, there's always that balancing act of, of life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Has that uh, kind of process-oriented mindset and um, focusing on what you're doing day-to-day -day always been there, or was there a time where you were more focused on the times you were running your results? Um, I think I kind of go hand-in-hand. -hand. I'm more of a process guy to begin with, just in life. So, like, try to do everything with a purpose and with direction, but, you know, I always want to run fast. Like that's, I really like to go out and push myself and run fast. So I think, you know, in college it was, you do these things because the goal is to, you know, be all conference, be all region, be an all American, things like that. Um, Post-collegiately, it's more like, you know, you still want to run fast. Like if I'm going to put the time in, I want it to come in the result. But I think as I've gotten older, I just realized that like the result is just a result. And it's just, it's kind of evolved into more of, going out and pushing myself day in, day out. Um, try to be really regimented. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's the uh, biggest blessing, my biggest vice too, because like sometimes it backfires. And I've learned really just to kind of roll with the punches of, you know, day-to-day -day life and fitting training into it. Yeah, I think those are a lot of things, especially in times like this where races are getting taken away from people that, that's what the focus should be on is um, be grateful that we can get out the door and run even if it is by ourselves and even if we're not doing as much as we were previously super grateful for that opportunity yeah i i would definitely agree with that i think you know the last few weeks especially you know being alone not being able to run with with friends and you know good people it's like it's made me really appreciate running even more just the ability to just be outside um Actually, a couple of weeks ago, I, 
I was like, okay, there's seven days in a week. Taylor Swift has seven albums. Let's listen to one a day and just try to yes. try to see if we can find a ranking system of sorts. Um, but you know, it, it made the time pass. And it was it was fun and it was just something different. Um, again, it's it doesn't it doesn't replace running with with great people, but just something that running can do. <laughs> the, the Taylor Swift track club is still alive. Yes, yes sir. Okay, God that's blessed. That's on my list for next week. I've got to do that. That's a good idea. What well, well, the results? What's the, the hot take if we're going? What are Ooh. our, our two, Ooh. two? Yeah. I mean, best album is still her self-titled one, that first one. Um, you know, that's that's what got me introduced to Taylor Swift, so I got to go there. Um, I'd say Out of the Woods is the best song. Oh, yeah. With um, Change and All Too Well, a close second and third. Oof. I like it. I like it. My son is a big, guys. My son's a big fan of Shake It Off. <laughs> okay. I can't. I can't dance well enough to enjoy Shake It Off as much as I probably should. <laughs> that is awesome. I think we found a new, uh, new rapid fire question. Favorite Taylor Swift song? We got to start. <laughs> <laughs> That is awesome. I totally lost my train of thought to you. Now I'm thinking about Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, talked about that. I apologize. <laughs> do you listen to music often? Is that like a classic thing you do when you're on a run? Yeah, I typically do. Um, I'd say most days of the week I have the headphones in. Um, mostly stay in the country realm, but um, yeah, it's typically on. There's some days where I'll throw in a podcast or listen to a sermon or something like that. Um, just kind of depends on the day. Yeah, and it's been a long time up? since I've listened to that, listened to stuff. I, in high school, I did a lot, but I don't know why I've gotten away from it. Uh, I think part of it was running with people. Right? You're not going to listen mm-hmm. to music when you run with people, but especially right. now, it might be something to, to throw back on and I can consume some information with podcasts or uh, enjoy some Taylor Swift albums. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about like what brings the Wisconsin runner team together. And like, it's the only things we can come up with are like an inordinate love of Taylor Swift and mid-level facial hair for pretty much all of us, except for like Easter. So it's a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Matt, how did you come to be a part of the Wisconsin runner racing team? So, um, Finnell used to live like 1,200 meters from my house when him and Bridget lived in Verona. And so we were running together and he's like, hey, you should get in touch with Pete. And so I did. And then here we are. Hi. So, Brian Finnell, great guy. Shout out to Finnell. Yep. <laughs> Greatest coach in the state. <laughs> and now. And I would say with Derek Rubis out of Wisconsin, he has sort of stepped up and he's sort of the hub of now Wisconsin distance running where he's kind of that guy that everybody knows and everyone's plugged into and is just the, the guy that will say hey to you, um, you know, wherever you are in the world. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. You want to head into some rapid fire questions? Sure. All right. Let's, let's start with an easy one. Favorite place to run in Wisconsin? Military Ridge Trail. Cool. The, uh, Any particular segments or uh, spots you like to roll? Um, I like to go west, like west of Epic. But, um, you know, the trailhead in Verona is a half mile from my house. So just head there and it's dirt 
from there on west. So that direction. That's a good spot. A follow up to that. Um, the FKT was just broke on Military Ridge. Is that something that you would uh, ever think about doing? Running the whole Ooh, thing? What, it, what is it? Oh, I wish I had it pulled up. Uh, it's like like four, four hours, 44 minutes or five hours, 44 minutes, something like that. Um, definitely doable. You know, if I ever decide to go more than 26.2, yes. The answer is yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, favorite marathon experience or course that you've done? I know the Chicago debuts, the PR. What's What are the races that you've loved the most out of them? Oh, I'd say Chicago is my favorite. Um, I think there's just a lot of energy there throughout the whole course. And, you know, I've done Chicago twice and – it's just been, there's just something about it. I love it down there. Cause yeah. I think I've done, done Chicago, I've done Cellcom and Sim, and then uh, did a random marathon in Rochester, Minnesota this past year. Cause I went up to Cellcom and then it got canceled. And so my coach and I like, let's find one. And there was one in Rochester the next week. Um, <laughs> but I'd say Chicago is my favorite. Any on the bucket list that you want to do? Twin cities for sure. Just getting that. It's kind of, it's, yeah, it's kind of always been there. Um, you know, I've talked to Dewey and others who have, and my wife's done Twin Cities, and everybody that I've talked to said it's just amazing. So, uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be the next one for sure. Nice. Um, yeah, you mentioned your wife Jess is a, a phenomenal triathlete, and you know, you talked about your background with doing some stuff. She cool, is. We're at Minnesota. Is the try something on the radar screen for you at all down the road? Or um... absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I absolutely hate to swim. So everything in the pool is aqua jogging. Um, okay. I have this like really weird fear of putting my head underwater. So I don't think I should swim. And I really hate to sit on a bike for a long period of time. So I think I'll rule the triathlon thing out. I'll let that be Jess's thing. Yeah, it's not like the, the tri that. <laughs> <laughs> You've had two great coaches. So now we're going to make you pick. Plaz or Hertz? Man, do I have to pick? <laughs> Oh God, that's that's probably like the toughest question anybody could ever ask me. <sighs> I don't know if I choose, guys. Flip a coin. <laughs> oh, that's fair. You get one pass. That's, uh, that's well, I'll take I'll take the pass because like they both, you know, at the time of my life and my development, they were perfect for me. Like I was really blessed to fall into both the, their hands, um, you know, and. This this past summer when I was getting ready for sim, Hirsch hopped on the bike with me a lot. And, you know, it was really – that reconnection meant a lot to me personally. Um, just, you know, after you graduate, people go their own direction for a little while, and it was just really nice to reconnect. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't pick one. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say both. <laughs> I think that's a good thing. If you yeah. lose with your coaches, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh What's your all-time favorite workout you've ever done? Ooh. Um, my coach dials up a good one, like five or six by mile with like 90 seconds rest between. Um, that just seems to always be one that I go back to uh, that I really like to, to get after. Um, any sort of tempo type work in a long run as well is another favorite, but you know, that five to six by mile, it, it hurts. And it, it really take it helps you go to a place that you didn't know you could go to. Can you share fastest splits for that workout? Um, did one this past 
fall getting ready for sim where I think I was like 450, 446, 444, 444, 442 or something like that. So the office. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was a fun day at the office. Then I actually had to go to the office. And <laughs> so you did, you ran like ripping off six by sub 450 at like, like five o'clock, five thirty in the morning, or something like that. Like I think, I think I started at six thirty because I think you know a lot of the workouts that I did in the sim buildup was to try to you know be warm and ready to go by seven, and obviously had to vary a little bit with work. But yeah, right. it was early. Nice, dang, that's yeah, super impressive. Yeah. I know. I always feel part of it's you have to train yourself, but I always feel like garbage in the mornings. Um, so whenever I've gone and done workouts with Thomas, it's just like dragging, or I've had way too much coffee by six a.m. Oh, the coffee intake is a whole other thing. I mean, it just is what it is. <laughs> kind of have to, right? You have to. You have to. Yeah. No better way to start your day than with uh, lots of cups of coffee. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. I think we'll uh, leave it at that. Matt, thank you so much for uh, sitting down with us this afternoon. Well, thank you to both of you. Um, like I said throughout the podcast, just running brings out the best in people and brings you around great people and there's no two better than yourselves. So I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for sharing your message. Thanks for sharing your story. Um, this is awesome. Super inspirational for people. Um, so hopefully people are able to take a listen and enjoy. Thanks. Awesome. You guys have a good one. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good.